0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every
1: day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 10th of December. Where does the Jazz offense go awry? What happens? Was Quinn's hook on Dante Exum too quick? The Thunder and the matchup with them tonight. And a look around the NBA in Chicago and the rest of the Western Conference. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. Certainly glad to be with you today from Oklahoma City. Well, I'm glad to be with you. I'd rather never be in Oklahoma City. That's just a personal problem. Uh, this is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast about the Utah Jazz. Give me insight, expertise, geeky little numbers. We give it to you every single day in about 30 minutes so that you can get on with your day and know everything you need to know that's going on about the Jazz. We also have the podcast Locked on NBA. Mondays is always a good show, checking in with the biggest stories and local experts. And remember, on Instagram and on Twitter, Locked on NBA are set up for you. Instagram is the biggest the stories in 60 seconds in your story, longer takes in the feed. And locked on NBA on Twitter is an aggregation of all of our hosts on one feed. It's a lot of fun. Jazz lose to the Spurs last night. We're in Oklahoma City today. We'll play the Thunder. We'll look at both those things for you, plus some stuff around the Western Conference. Uh, tip off is at six tonight, so hopefully you'll join us on the drive home. Thank you very much if you do. Uh, and then you can catch in with Craig and Matt the rest of the way, uh, on the TV broadcast. Alright, so, <clears throat> the Jazz offense goes dead last night uh opening late in the 1st were we're not good opening portion of the second i think we miss about eight straight shots and uh they go on a 17-0 run and then we close the half uh missing seven straight shots and they go on a 12-0 run and you're down 21 and it's over um I believe when you're down 20, you lose about 94% of your game. So uh, a gallant effort and nice fight back, but that one was done. So why the offensive slumps? So what I think happens to this team is they're built on an offensive system that's ball movement, breaking the paint, getting the blender going, kicking out to get shots, and then at times – because a wide open catch and shoot 3 is still only a you know 35% shot for most of our guys we just go cold from 3 and that's <clears throat> and then there's other games like the first time we played san antonio where we went 20 of 33 which is on un- equally unnatural but last night san antonio having played us a week before was perfectly prepared, changed their game plan. They weren't going to let Joe Ingles shoot. He took a season-low four shots. They weren't going to let Rudy Gobert shoot on the roll. And so the Jazz were left with wide open three-point shots, largely from the players that uh San Antonio chose for us to have shoot. This is, if for those of you who listen to Points Gained um, and all my pack stuff, this is probably my number one principle I believe in in the league, which is you're going to have a great team's going to have some dynamic scorers who you can't stop and then the next part of it is that you're going to have players who the that when the ball gets kicked out of their hands and moved around that those are the guys that you then have to have be above average so that they can make some shots. Um. And so what happened last night, if you run through our early game shooting, Rubio gets a wide-open corner three, misses it. Rubio gets a wide-open angle left three, misses it. Rubio gets a wide-open left corner three, misses it. Um, O'Neal gets a wide-open corner, or a kind of open corner three, misses it. Uh, Jay Crowder, wide-open, misses Offensive rebound kickout Rubio makes. Corver contested makes. Donovan takes three in a row and misses them. The Donovan shots were off his own action instead of off catch and shoot, which is really what's changed for Donovan is he doesn't get the catch and shoots he used to get and probably needs to get back to getting those because he's not a very good off-the-bounce three-point shooter. But what I think then happens to the Jazz is then the ball movement and the blender kind of stops. You know, it actually should probably continue even more when you've missed those opening shots, and you should be trying to push and drive to the basket even harder, but I think we get stagnant at that point, and that the lack of ball movement is predicated often off a bunch of misses, where you've lost a little confidence, the group has, yet the offense ran really very, very well in that game. Uh, I, I haven't looked at it, but uh, we usually do the numbers, but if you know, I love that second spectrum quality shot uh, QSQ number, in which you, um, you know, which you're really able to look at quality of shots a team gets, and the Jazz are the number one uh, QSQ team in the NBA last I checked, which means uh, likelihood of any shot going in if the average player in the league takes it. Yeah, we're Milwaukee's getting closer to us, and I think the other thing that's happened because we're not making them is our shot quality is getting a little less good in other words we're starting to take shots that um, probably aren't quite as good as shots as they were uh earlier because of the fact that we're uh feeling suddenly as though we're not making last night our shot quality was if, if average players took our shots our shots were 52% was what we should have shot effective field goal percentage we shot 48.8 uh, san antonio contrasting last night should have been a 46.8 and their effective field goal percentage was 55.6. Um, so, I mean, they shot lights out. And if you go to our game against them previously, the, the exact opposite happened. But I, I think that's a little bit of what happens to the Jazz is is that sequence of things. Um, Donovan had these two different halves. Um, I don't know what I think of that. Um, I guess... I should just look at the end result, which was 26 points in a pretty good night, um, or 27 points. The Spurs clearly decided that Donovan was allowed to shoot and Rubio was allowed to shoot, and in- and who are both inefficient, and Ingles and Gobert, who are both efficient, are not allowed to shoot, and favors. Um, and Donovan understood that in the second half and then made a bunch of shots. The number that's most important to me on Donovan's night is the 10 free throws. You know, he doesn't have to do 10 free throws every night, but if he can go to the free throw line, then he will transition himself out of being an inefficient player into being an efficient player. And frankly, if you look at his night versus Rubio's night last night, and the efficiency all has to do with the free throw line. Rubio was really shot the ball great last night, continues to, he's been shooting it. Truthfully, he's 11 of 23, that's pretty good, but he gets 26 points on 23 shots, which is only okay, because he only had one for, one free throw, whereas Donovan had 27 points on 21 shots despite shooting less well, because he, and they both shot the same from three, three of eight, because of the fact that Donovan was was eight of ten from the free throw line. Um, I also liked that Donovan was aggressively rebounding for portions of that game when his offense uh, wasn't clicking. Uh, the biggest difference in the Jazz overall has been if they play transition defense well. If they play transition defense well, then they usually, uh, are, that's been the difference. And last night, that wasn't the case. Uh, they played transition defense well, and Lamarcus Aldridge and Patty Mills played that little pick and pop game, and it gave the Jazz fits. I'll explain how the, what the Jazz have to do on that. Um, and what went wrong in that pick and pop game and then we'll look at Dante Exum and whether or not you know, why why two minutes? Why I know a lot of jazz fans feel as though Quinn's hook on Dante is too fast. So give me a moment to just kind of we'll walk through it and you can then uh make your own opinion on that. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Chevy, Tyson Murdoch and the Murdoch family, uh, run Murdoch Chevy. Chevys and Murdoch have been together for 92 years. I mean, talk about bread and butter Utah and part of the culture. Chevy is Americana. Murdochs are Utah. Chevy and Murdoch together, just fabulous. They have great deals in the month of December and there's a lot of advantageous reasons why you might want a truck or an SUV in December, you can do it at Murdoch Chevy. This truck lineup is absolutely terrific. The Silverado is the beautiful, big, um, luxurious truck when I drove it. The Colorado was so versatile and terrific. Uh, we loved it in our family this summer. The SUV lineup is great as well. The Suburban and the Tahoe are legendary. The Traverse has all the bells and whistles for you. It's all at Murdoch Hyundai. Excuse me, Murdoch uh Murdoch Chevy in Woods Cross, also in Logan, and whenever you buy from Murdoch, you get the Murdoch Guarantee, which is a price match guarantee, a, uh, oil changes and safety inspection, or car wash and safety inspections for life. It's all from Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross as well as in Logan. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends at Mazuma USA. If you are a small business owner, one to five employees, and you're not using Mizuma, you're losing money and clarity. For $75 a month, you get your bookkeeping and your reports, unlimited consultation from a CPA, personal and business tax returns, reminder uh, to have discussions about your taxes to keep you on top of stuff, because really... If you're building a company or you're your own small business owner, you want to be working on that and how you're making money. You don't want to be spending all night doing your bookkeeping, catching up to taxes. And so what they do is they give you a report every month, every quarter have a tax discussion, and then when it is tax time, it's all ready for you and prepared. It's Mizuma USA. It gives you a bookkeeper and a tax CPA for $75 a month to start. Use the promo code LOCKED at mizumausa.com. That's mizumausa.com or call 801-980-2102. That's 801-980-2102. That's 801-980-2102 for Mizuma USA. All right, I said I'd talk about two things. One of them uh, was Dante, and the other was the pick and roll. So the Spurs did some. This is the case a lot of ways of playing someone twice in a week, right? So the Spurs made an adjustment. Um, They played the pick and roll in a manner by which Patty Mills predominantly was the one who gave us problems. Patty Mills would come off the pick and then snake back underneath the pick with the guard trailing, forcing – Rudy Gobert to follow him until the guard got back out in front of Patty Mills. If Rudy releases to Aldridge, everyone's frustrated at the end result. The end result is LaMarcus Aldridge gets this shot. Rudy's got to be closer. Okay, but if Rudy gets closer too quickly, Patty Mills just goes to the basket. So, One thing you can do is if Rudy plays up higher on the screen, maybe Patty Mills can't snake back underneath. Okay, so that could be one thing that you're trying to do. But that also leaves Rudy defending um, pretty far outside. The pick was coming on the right side of the floor. Mills was going back underneath the pick, coming around to the outside, and then snaking back underneath, letting Aldridge pop to the high right. There's a reason for this. Aldridge from the high right this year is 13 of 22. From the left, he's 6 of 27. So this is a coach putting a player in a position to succeed. In fact, if you look at Aldridge's shot chart, that's the one place he's been really good all year. Everywhere else, he's been really poor. In the post, he's at 35%, but angle right shot chart, he's great. So Mills gets under the pick. Now he he comes around the pick. He's actually taking the pick often to the right side, then it's snaking back left to the other side. Of the key. Well, Rudy's got to go with him until the guard gets back in front. So when talking to Johnny Bryan at halftime, the first thing he says is we have to have better ball pressure so that the guard can get back in front so Rudy can release. So it's not entirely on Rudy because unless you're switching it. Which some teams will do, which, you know, the Warriors do, and then, then once you switch, then Aldridge goes to the post, but Aldridge didn't post up once all game long. Because you didn't, you didn't stop his pick and pop game. If you're the Warriors, they're gonna run that quickly, and then Aldridge is gonna roll the smaller guy into the post, and then he's gonna go work in the post. Where he's not quite as good, frankly. So it's not just a game of Rudy not getting back to the ball. It's a little bit of the ball handler's got to be tougher on Mills. And the Spurs made a really nice adjustment where they snake underneath. And Patty Mills is good enough to know if I just string Rudy along for a while and flip it back to Aldridge nicely, he's going to hit that shot. And then LaMarcus is in his sweet spot. So, you know, when you look at that, you know, look at Lamarcus's shot chart, that's where he wants to be. So that's just a really, you know what, sometimes the other guys are good. So they made two adjustments. One was not to let Rudy and Joe shoot, and two was to play this pick and roll in a manner in which LaMarcus could get that look, and he did. All right, so let's walk through um, Dante's night last night. So Dante plays great against Houston, and the next step for Dante is going to be the ability to be good against San Antonio and Memphis. Like like Houston is a great matchup for him. Um because of the fact that Houston switches everything, and so, he, Dante can, with, them switching everything, Dante can go and attack and play one-on-one, and he doesn't have to run an offense, and he doesn't have to spot up to shoot off of other people's actions, and it, it, you know, quite honestly, it's, a, it's a perfect matchup for him. Defensively, he's terrific, uh, in what he's able to do, because of the fact that he's able to, uh, guard harden and, and not have to guard in actions and there aren't a lot of decisions to be made. Um, it's, it's just a pure, they run the most isolation of anyone, um, in the game. So it's just a pure, are you good enough to guard your man? And you bet Dante is. So Houston's a great matchup for him. So now the next question is, can Dante be as good, um, against someone else? And if you look at Dante in the first three quarters of that game the other night, He's really good. The Jazz, he plays 11 minutes. He's two of four from the field. He's got six points, two rebounds and four assists. The fourth quarter was, you know, was garbage. Uh, the Jazz were up 35, so it doesn't really matter. All right. Last night, on the first play, he's in the game. He misses a switch that allows Bellinelli to get a three. Okay. You know, if you're a coach, that's pretty frustrating. Right, you're out there, you bring in your bench, first play, misses a switch, basic, small to small, Patty Mills, Bell and Ellie interchange, you, you got him, it's basic. Uh, next possession, Crowder travels, not Dante's fault, but the offense really, if you're in his point guard, shouldn't be running through Crowder. Um, Mills makes a really tough shot on a great defensive possession, so all good. Um, Offense is really stagnant again on the next possession. There's just no ball movement, no activity. No one's breaking the paint. Nothing's happening. Great defense on DeRozan on the next possession. Uh Jazz next possession, he throws a turnover on an entry pass to Favors that he telegraphs and holds a second longer than he needs to that crosses the turnover. Bellinelli steals it. In transition defense, difficult, but he does end up being the one guy not guarding anyone when Patty Mills hits the three. Corver goes to his guy. Crowder goes to his guy. Dante's stuck kind of in no man's land, and he drops two steps deeper than he's supposed to. Patty Mills is his guy. Patty Mills is coming to the ball. He's got to go up to meet Patty Mills. It's tough um, and really easy to see on film, but he sags down in the lane in an area where he's not going to be productive and you kind of have to think that one through like well how would he ever be productive there if he's supposed to be marked on Patty Mills who he just didn't find in transition and he thought he was to his defense he thought he was marking up to somebody on the other side but Corver got there um, so that leads to a a three um, on the on the next possession so you know, and I think that one's but so one, two, three, four, five, six possessions, and you've got two big mistakes. And maybe a third. You missed a switch, a bad turnover. The offense is stagnant, which is either his fault or not his fault. You decide. Um And then And then on the on the last one you just you know, that's that's you know, I bet you if you ask your coaches, they would say, I think they would say that's, but that's high level stuff. That's, like, it's, it might be tough, but you, you know, have given up a transit. The, di- the difference between the Jazz right now and what they were earlier this year has been their transition defense. That's, that's it. Their transition defense. And so in three minutes, the Jazz are minus seven and Dante doesn't play again. We're not developing, we're not in the development stage, right? I mean, I've listened to you guys every time we lose a game, uh, we're not, we're not in development stage. Uh, by the way, I, I didn't think it was really that big the next play, Dante fouls DeRozan, um, and DeRozan goes and makes two free throws and the game plan on DeRozan is simply don't foul. Um, so that's probably from a coaching, I, I, I left that one out here um, because it was a pretty tough play, except for the fact that it was DeRozan drives at him in transition. He ball fakes. They've gone through a 100 times. Don't bite on his ball fakes. He bites on the ball fake and fouls him. So I probably, you know, in fairness from a coaching standpoint, you now have three minutes, three if not four significant errors. And that's why I'm not trying to beat up on Dante, but I'm what I'm trying to do is I know that there is a narrative out there that Quinn has a quick hook on Dante, and people always want to know why it's not fair. Other guys get other opportunities. I mean, that's when the game changed, by the way. Like that, we have two droughts that come up that are significant, but that's the game. That's the the Jazz are up and in control, and playing well, and have overcome some misses. And it's in this stretch that the game changed. Like, had Howell Neto come in and played well in that stretch of game instead of Dante, big if, you don't know that's going to happen at all. I, I, I perfectly believe the Jazz could have won that game. But that stretch knocked the Jazz off their game on the road. San Antonio got a little juice going, and then the Jazz really played poorly to open the second quarter in a continuation of that seat stretch right there. Overstated? Maybe. But had someone come in and played well in that stretch, you open the second quarter feeling good about yourself, and you don't go on a stretch where you miss eight straight shots. You can decide whether you think that's totally unfair and garbage or has some validity. But I, the, the, the point of that exercise was I, I read it. I hear it. I get asked all the time. And the idea that there is some sort of a um, double standard on to Dante or that there's an unfairness going on to Dante. Qu- Quinn would like nothing more than Dante to be fabulous. He brings an aspect to this team that nobody else does. Um, and Quinn's job is to get wins. And Dante, if playing well, can help us get wins. But. Um, that sequence right there, I think exemplifies well a sequence in which you know and there 's some subtlety to it right the The fact that transition defense is a um, is a really big thing that the jazz have talked about the fact that you have um you know, Stay down on the pump fake is specifically a thing the Jazz have talked about on DeRozan. Don't foul, don't foul, don't foul. Like th- Those are the things that are, um, I think, particularly causing problems to the coaching staff. Homey is a uh, company that wants to save customers thousands in commission when you buy or sell a home using technology to make the process efficient they have a team of agents to make the process easy. They help you list and sell your home to avoid the high fees of commission, both traditional real estate agents and avoid the hassle for for sale by owner uh, and Their motto is they 've got their back because they have a team approach unlike the traditional agent the homie uh, have a whole team of Utah licensed agents and attorneys to help you buy and sell your home and they've got your back every step of the way. Who are the people of homie? Well, let me tell you about uh, Johnny Hannah uh. Johnny is the co founder and CEO of Homie. He grew up in a farm in Montana, co founded uh of Property Solutions that became Entrada. While well, he was a student at BYU. For eight years, Johnny helped build that business to own over a hundred million dollar revenue. He knew he wanted to do something big and disrupt disruptive when he co founded Homie, and Johnny's personal mission is to help Utah homeowners save life changing amounts of money when they sell or buy their home. Johnny and the Homie team have now served Utah saved you to over 30 million and they're just getting started. So go check it out at homie.com and use the promo code lock. Your listing costs you just $199 and you pay 12.99 at close. Now you also get $100 off that listing. com. use the promo code lock. Uh, I want to walk through the Western Conference and the Thunder here for a second. Um, so we play the Thunder tonight, and the real thing tonight is they're the number one defensive team in the league and the number seven team in the league at forcing turnovers. So on a back-to-back, not a brutal back-to-back at all. We got in a decent hour Um, other than just playing our third game in four nights, which is fatiguing, you'll be a little fatigued, you'll be a little off. They're unique. They come at you in a different way defensively um, than anyone else does. And you've got to make sure they're the number one team in the league at forcing turnovers because they don't play in the half court. Um, They play the third fewest possessions of anyone in the half court. And the Jazz do. You know, if the Jazz can keep you in the half court, the Jazz are really, really good. Um, and the defense is coming around. Last night was a little different, but San Antonio has Aldridge, and he made an inordinate amount of shots, and they had a nice adjustment. And, uh, you know, it's why playoff series often go six and seven games. You have those kind of adjustments. And now you have um, – and if you think about the Jazz, by the way, and their great playoff adjustments, they all happened in game two last year. You can't pre-adjust to a game. It's very difficult. Uh so you've got Oklahoma City who's gonna come at you. They're not a good three point shooting team, so if you can keep them keep Russ out of the into the half court, you've got a chance. Um and Paul George has been good, twenty four points a game. Dennis Schroeder's added an element. I did not think Dennis Schroeder was a good pickup for them. I did not really buy into it. Um But watching them the other day, they're running a lot of nice three-man action where Westbrook and George interchange, and then whoever has the ball comes off a Adams pick with the other one spacing, and now you've got your action going to the basket off the Adams pick and roll, and you kick to the wing, and now that Schroeder with an advantage with his speed playing off the ball and attacking, it's pretty impressive. Um, and then Jeremy Grant is spaced and shooting 39% from three, so they're not bad offensively. They're 18th in the league offensively. They're actually better than Utah right now, and they're better than Utah defensively as well. Uh, they're 16 and eight. They've played a really, really soft schedule, um, but they're they're good. And the thing that they're doing that I just think is great is they are just pounding the offensive glass, pounding the offensive glass. Uh, at 31% of all misses, fourth year in a row they lead the league in offensive rebounding. Obviously, that's personnel and Steven Adams. But in a league that's gone away from the offensive rebound, I believe the offensive rebound has more value than ever before. And they are pounding it. Absolutely pounding it. Uh, so that is the scouting report on Oklahoma City. A few interesting notes on teams in the West. Okay, Pelicans won last night. So they go to 14-14. and They play eight of their next ten against teams with a positive differential. All five of their road games against positive differential teams. Huge stretch for them. You're going to know a lot about a lot of these teams coming up here. Denver, without Paul Millsap broke his toe, Gary Harris out three to four weeks. Between now and July, January 1st, fortunately, they only play eight games. Their next five are against positive differential teams, and four of those are at home. The reason this is so important for Denver to not suddenly lose five games and games they need to win at home, their next three after that are Spurs twice and Suns, and then they should have Harris and maybe Millsap back, is they close March with a brutally hard schedule. 12 of their final, 20 are on the road, and only two bad teams in that whole sequence. So Denver has to do exactly what they're doing right now, which is making hay, playing great. They've been brilliant. They just can't afford to suddenly slip up in these five games at home due to injury. Portland has righted the ship, won two in a row. They're fifteen and eleven. They play twelve of their next fifteen, excuse me, twelve of the next fourteen against positive differential teams, and the only negative differential team is Houston. So they really have fourteen straight games against a high quality opponent. Houston who's 11 and 14, and losers of 6 of 8, play 13 of their next 16 against positive differential teams. The three that they do not are December 19th, 20th, and 22nd, back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, Washington, Miami, and San Antonio. But otherwise, the other 13 are. Dallas, 13-11, winners of 10 of their last 13, they play their next three against Orlando, Atlanta, and Phoenix. So very welcome. be 16-11. And then 13 straight against positive differential teams. And where Dallas stands on January 8th will tell us a lot. I think they'll be fine. They're coming into it with such great confidence. Um, so I can't imagine that they'll be anything but fine. All right, interesting look there. Uh, if you haven't followed the story out of Chicago and Jim Boylan, it matches almost identically to all of his problems in Utah. It's really fascinating. Super nice guy, really bright, good assistant coach, seems to get that head coaching job, and then just, I don't know, clamps of pressure. That is Locked on Jazz. Thanks very much for tuning in today. Super appreciate it. Locked on NBA is a good one with Josh Lloyd. Ron and I will be with you after the game. Uh Locked on Thunder with Eric G. is a good show if you want to grab some and catch some what's going on with Thunder. Talk to you soon.